Hi and welcome to episode four of the Sprout Sweater and this episode is a big sweat. In other words, it's one of my uh, interviews and for my first interviewee or victim, depends on how you you, you prefer to, to see it, is a good friend, long-time friend and a great coach, Jeff Nicholson. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm very good, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Great to have you along and uh, thanks for joining us here. There's a lot I want to pick your brains about, um, particularly around, you know, how we get our heads back, our shit together and life back on our terms. That's the themes of, this, of the, the Sprout Sweater, really. Um, but before we do that, do you want to tell uh, everybody a bit about yourself, uh, a bit of a backstory, what brings you to do what you do? Yeah, so um, I am, as Dave said, I'm a coach. Um, I kind of like started this back in 2000 after, well, actually 2006, when I came out of a long-time illness. Um, started with, very, very quickly, two cases of viral meningitis within 12 months of each other. And then I started to notice that actually things just weren't, recovery wasn't correct. Uh, I started to notice that I wanted to sleep a lot, and I was diagnosed with something later on called post-viral fatigue syndrome, which ultimately meant that I slept for almost 20 hours a day for the first year. And then after that, I was housebound, needing a wheelchair or a walking stick. And then uh, through that time of period, I got what I call on the bolt-on features, which is depression, anxiety, um, guilt, low self-esteem, all of those things that kind of like come along when you're not moving in the right direction and in 2006 January 2006 I actually left the house to commit suicide because the the medical profession didn't know how to uh, how they could help me I was kind of like a guinea pig for new drugs and everything else um and it was in that moment when I was driving towards the tree that I just had this realization and this determination that I wasn't going to, through that temporary insanity, I guess the fog cleared and it was, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, if anyone can change their life around and flip it around, it's going to be me. But I don't just want to go back to what normal was. I wanted to create what I call exceptional. So it spent a, a long period of time working on myself, realized that I absolutely loved it. And then in November 2007, I'd been well round about a year and a bit. Um, I started my business originally starting as a hypnotherapy and a stress specialist working with people with chronic stress conditions and burnout and suffering from post-viral fatigue syndrome, the same as what I had. And then it's morphed into mindset development and performance, um, working with high achievers and, and entrepreneurs very quickly. I was <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Very quick tour of, of, yeah, a massive story, yeah. a massive period of life where there's, there seems like so many challenges there. Whew. So where do we start? So I guess tell us, the story, your your journey there, mm. like from, from the viral infections and then what happened after, um, that in itself, the, the, there's a lot in there that we could start to tease apart, if you, if you don't mind, because because I think, you know, you're at a place where you were desperate enough to to 
actually do something yeah. more than in police yeah. terms more merely more than preparatory which is what makes it an attempt rather than right. thing. and i don't yeah, want to make yeah, light yeah. of it you know it, no, it's no, actually, no 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 you no, step absolutely. forward into yeah. so rather than the thoughts as well as the thoughts it was more than that and i'm not yeah. min- minimizing that because you know no, having the thoughts is an indication that we're not necessarily in the right place so yeah. it's important that people get help or, or, and ask for help that's absolutely. a sign yeah when that step further but it's so thankfully thankfully at some point you, you as you said you saw through that fog and saw hmm. something different. Just tell me a little bit more about that, if you wouldn't mind. So I, uh, about a couple of days before that day, um, it was May the 7th, um, I remember, sorry, no, it wasn't. It was, that was the date I recovered. It was about January, January the 30th. I'd gone and seen a specialist, and the specialist had gone, look, we don't honestly know how we can help you where you know you could be like this for the next 20 to 30 years we know people who have been ill that long but also we've known people who haven't and I I was kind of like I kind of like looked at it and I looked at my wife and my kids and as you know you know I've known my wife since I was eight years old and I kind of like looked at them and I looked at the, the my two boys and I went I cannot drag them through this unknown journey what they've already experienced for the last six years of, you know, um, one minute dad's great, the next minute dad's in bed for a month, one minute dad is all chipper and the next minute he's sinking into oblivion, crying in the chair. So I kind of looked at them and and, and at the time, one of the things I was able to do, I was able to go out driving and I love driving. It relaxes me, it helps me think. You know, I, I would drive and just listen to audiobooks or, or music. But at the same time, every time I passed this specific point, I always used to speed up and see how fast I could get, knowing that at the end of that road was an oak tree. And if I took my seatbelt off and hit that tree square on, it would be over. So I'd planned it many, many times in my head, but never was I at as low as I was at, at that day. So I remember just... Walk, walking downstairs, giving the wife and um, Lindsay and the boys a kiss on the head, told them that I loved them and left. Um, and it, it's weird because, I, I, you know, people I've spoken to who have gone through a similar sort of thing, I guess everyone has their own little, their, their own little story that's going on in their head to say, okay, that's it, there's no other option. And I never did it because I would, I didn't want to fight I did it because I couldn't see how I could um, love my family as much as I do and take them through the crap. I couldn't, I couldn't do that because I always remember even the first year of being ill and Lindsay saying, you know, I know I said in sickness and in health, but this is getting a little bit crazy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. And my lads, my youngest lad, Josh, he didn't know me anything but ill. So he never really, you know, we didn't have the father-son bond. We didn't have or kid-parent bond. Um, William was always wanting to see me, but I used to just, I didn't want to see him. And that in itself was like, how can a dad not want to see his kids? They're the most important things in their lives. So for me, there was just, I didn't, at that moment in time when I got into the car, I didn't see a way out. Hmm. Um and it wasn't until I heard Will's voice, which literally felt like in the back of the car when I was driving down the road. Um, and he went, no, no, don't do it, Daddy, don't do it. 
when I, all of a sudden it pulled me out of that, whatever you want to call it, um, and I skidded to the side of the road and went, right, that's it. I'm, I'm never going that low again. What, what's going to make me do X, Y, and Z? Um, and, and, and once that switch went, it was the, 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 uh, is it resolute to the, the, the sort of decision to go, right, I'm going to get better was, was pretty instantaneous. I've never experienced an emotional sort of determination quite, quite like that before. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing. I suppose it's a, it's a timely point this, um, to obviously recognize that that, that, that it, that's a very, very serious place to be. And okay. if, you know, firstly, and I will put sort of warnings mm. in the blurb around, you know, just potential mm. trigger warnings, etc. If anybody's yeah. had any kind of experiences, then please do what's right in terms of taking care of yourself yeah. at that moment. If you've, if you can kind of relate a little bit to this, and this is to to listeners, if you can relate a little to it, then recognize that, you know, no matter how low you feel, there it can get better, and it does, and it yeah. gets better by realizing having some hope and realizing that it can that it can be different and then getting some help yeah um so thankfully you didn't follow through and yeah. you know and you're, you're a living testament that it can turn around and then get better um yeah. but like that there reach out ask for help a loved one uh, yeah. a friend you know professional or, or, uh, yeah, or sometimes a stranger you know like, yeah. like the samaritans it's sometimes yeah. it's easier to speak to someone like that than speak to a family member who you may think they're going to judge you yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, and, and I would say that the story that I was telling myself at that moment of the time was BS. But at that moment in time, it was the most believable story I've ever heard. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And and I think you, you, you mentioned it in... In as you explain that is that I think one of the things and we're going to just we're going to move off the kind of yeah. this aspect shortly just just mm-hmm. just, just one thing that I think is really important is that in those stages we can and I'm, I'm not using we because you know I've not experienced that level of despair but my understanding is that there's a there's a point where you can start to convince yourself that the world and other your loved ones are better off without you yes and yeah that as you say is a story that could be so compelling and convincing but it's yeah. bs it's wrong yeah and and that's yeah. borne out by by loads of order by order ethnographical evidence mm. research of it st- st- stories yeah. of people who have come through the other side yes. uh, not gone to that point um yeah. and you know on the tragic side as well as there's, there's you know, it's Absolutely. clear that there's a devastation that you don't appreciate when you buy into that story. So yeah. thankfully Absolutely. you're here, Jeff, and you've been yeah. a great mate over the years and, you know, all <laughs> of that. And, but thankfully that, yeah. you know, that, that isn't the case. So anybody who's feeling that the, the, the story, and this is what, this is, I guess it's, it's a theme within the Sprout sweater is that we want to get our head back, our shit together and life back on our terms. But we also know that the store, that our reality, our perception of reality is created by the stories we tell ourselves. So you mentioned it a couple yeah. of times, that, that idea that we create these stories and the stories that we tell ourselves can be so, so believable, can't they? So compelling yeah. and believable because it's us that's telling it. So obviously yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, gathering yeah. this bit yeah. of evidence, that bit of evidence, and I'm pulling it together, I'm making sense. That that's how I do it. And that's how we yeah. navigate the world. But obviously the stories that we tell ourselves are often that, you know, the, 
than not often true to be fair, but there can be downright misleading and damaging. So yeah, and I think is is that in the, in those moments of times is you're wanting people to give you the confidence, and people will be saying, you know, you're fine. We'll get through this. It's just dark, but it's that one time where you also edit all of that information out just to go, no, they're lying to me. That's what I'm doing. So you know, you, you're in a. You've got to remember that that when you are feeling like this, you're in a vulnerable state anyway. So that vulnerability isn't about being honest and open. The vulnerability is about you scar very, very quickly and easily. So when someone says something to you, those scars cut deep, mm. even if at that moment in time, it's not, you know, t- from one aspect, it, it's not a real thing that's cutting you. It's the verbal, it's your own yeah. verbal abuse that you're yeah. giving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's raw and yeah. Totally. Totally exposed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're pouring salt on a wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically. Yeah. So let's kind of move on to the next phase because I think that this, you you said obviously that there was a recovery and what have you. How did that, how did you, after that decision, how did you start? What were the things you did to start the journey of turning things around? So I suppose the first thing is, is I would, one of the things I had to acknowledge was is, because I was coming from a place of being vulnerable and because I was coming from a place where I had been told time and time again from the medical profession that there wasn't anything they could really do. They didn't know any solutions. You know, we're just going to put you on steroid or drug or whatever after another. Um, What I started to look was alternative uh, treatments, medications, trainings, whatever, because my thought was is that if this stuff is, some of it thousands and thousands of years old. And although they call that the new medicine, it's older than the current medicine. What I thought was is, is okay, well, let's see what we do. So what I what I would say is I took a pincer approach. I took the body side of it and the mind side of it. So for the body side, I would be trying acupuncture, uh, kinesiology, um, uh, uh, osteopathy chiropractors um you know all of that sort of stuff i would try and some helped me the one of the most powerful ones uh was something called the bowen technique which was really weird because the bowen technique is a, a very light manipulation of your muscles and stuff but it seems to really shock the body into response um and that was that was amazing and i became very fascinated with the you know, when you look at Chinese medicine and energy and uh, Qigong and Tai Chi and all of that sort of stuff, um, which is very different to what I was before I was ill. You know, I'm a six foot four Geordie that doesn't normally look at things and going, oh, yes, let's meditate. You know, so that sort of stuff. But I was willing to drop the ego and to go, if people have got well doing this, there is no reason why I can't. So let's have a look and absorb. But if my body went, don't do it, I stopped. I gave it a chance, but I didn't immediately go, this really feels weird, I stop. And then the mind side was looking at all sorts of things. I mean, um, you know, looking from, from one aspect, as much as I, I don't necessarily like the way they advocate it, but the law of attraction was something that really interested to me because the way that I talked to myself was attracting very negative ways of thinking. 
And I thought, well, if I can be more positive in myself, is that going to be almost like a reciprocation? Not sort of close my eyes and all the world will be great and I'll just heal. Um, but what happens if I actually started to think that the world is going to be out to do me good rather than the world was out against me? Um, so I started to look at that. I start. Um, I think my one of my mentors called becoming an inverse paranoid. Um, so it's it's... The other thing was, how can I change the language that is going on in my head rather than berating myself, but someone that's going to say, you know, we can do this. It might take us a little bit of time, but let's go. So looking at things like, you know, affirmations or, uh, you know, positive, um, you know, uh, positive psychology, those sort of things. How can I utilize that sort of stuff to help me? Um, and then the other one was understanding the body mind link. You know, if if our if our mind is not in the right place, the way it will respond is it will alter our biochemistry. So, you know, and simply we know that through the stress response. So if I was through some of the training I did, I identified that if I was constantly in this negative stress response, actually, therefore, there'll be certain parts of my body that weren't working effectively. So the big ones, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't getting much nutrition out of my body. Um, I wasn't well very often, um, although, ironically, I never, ever got a cold while I was ill. Um, I got a cold when I started to get better, and the doctor said that's a good sign, which I found very weird. Um, my muscles were cramping. I had fibromyalgia. There was a couple of neurology um, stuff going on. But what I started to identify is when I started to get that mind bit sorted through all sorts of daily rituals and habits and stuff that actually all of a sudden my body recovery got a lot quicker. I started not being exhausted just from walking down the stairs, but I was exhausted because I exerted myself in some way. So when, because one of the other things that people do, you know, and, and I've certainly seen this in a few people with long COVID who I've spoken to and certainly with post-viral fatigue syndrome is they ball tiredness all in one bag. But there's a point where tiredness is there's real tiredness because we've gone for a walk, um, you know, for two three miles. But or, or depending on how fit you are, and then there's the fear of becoming tired, mm. and the fear of these situations often will then respond in the same way as the real thing because that's what your brain's already expecting you to do. So, um, and I think with a lot of these things when you're doing that and you're looking at all of the different ways, what you also have to do is be sensible because if you're changing all these things at the same time, it's very hard to know which one's actually working. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also about having patience in implementing these new things, which is hard when you've come from a, such a low place or a point of recovery, you're wanting to just go, look, I just want to be well. I want to, you know, do stuff and, you know, uh, I think all of a sudden what I started to find is, is my body was doing things that I never really expected it to do. My recovery accelerated dramatically, but there was still an awful lot of work that I had to do in here mm. to maintain it mm. because I didn't want it to be a one-hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. There's, there's, there's lots in there, and I'm going to kind of pull the bones out from it because okay. one of the things you said was you tried lots of different things, and yeah. I think – actually ties into what I was just talking about in episode three around 
when when in a, if you're in a place where you're not sure you're feeling crushed, trapped, or lost, then mm-hmm. rather than letting it get a point of erupting or blowing, and you end up with a mis- yeah. midlife crisis mismanagement, and I talk, I deal yeah. with the mis- midlife crisis so-called phrase in in that episode, but we can step back and do the testing and the just checking. What do I want? Experiment, mm-hmm. play with, try this, mm-hmm. rather than burning bridges and throwing it all out. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of for me uh, adopting that 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 experimenter's approach you know that science yeah. scientific approach yeah. if you like of like this is what i think i'll try this see if it works yeah. so you you mentioned about being being aware of what actually works rather than yeah. you know it can be difficult if there's lots of variables i guess in there yeah, yeah. and i suppose that that's where it's interesting because i know we've had these conversations haven't we like we 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 kind of rub up against the 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 kind of opposing views like i'm very much scientific method don't yeah. believe in the law of attraction magical yeah, yeah. thinking all of that yeah but having said that i understand and appreciate that it's about what works for an individual and for you and, Absolutely, and yeah. you're kind of highlighting the the this talking it's the self-talk and how you perceive yourself you know if you're mm. constantly down on yourself it has that it has a negative impact so i think where we you know we, we kind of maybe have a different views on those but we do share don't we like the, this this thing that the yeah. mind it governs the, the brain and you know we have won't even get to the complexity of it but it governs the, the running of the body there's feedback loops there's lots yeah. of links so you can affect your mind through action and in your body you can and vice versa and well, I, think yeah, you're right. I think so, i think that i think the thing is uh, i don't know if i've got it to hand no i haven't i've got a book somewhere that basically uh, lists what i thought about myself i wrote it one day i was feeling really bad and i literally went you know um you're fat you're useless you're a worthless piece of flesh um, blah, blah, blah. There was about 30 different things. And and I completely understand from where people come from when it comes about science and it comes from, you know, some will say woohoo or whatever. But if we strip that down, if I focus on that, the likelihood of me feeling good about myself dramatically diminishes. So, for example, I used to have a chart on the bathroom door and the title was How Shit Is My Day? Right. So I would rate out of 10 how shit my day was. Okay. Now, law of attraction, science, whatever you want to say, if I am rating out of 10 how bad my day is and I look at it and go, well, okay, I'm nine out of 10 how bad, I'm nine out of 10 rubbish today. There is nothing that I am doing that is going to promote or stimulate a positive outlook like, well, in the next three days, I'm going to feel great. But if I can look at it and go, today is going to be a good day, I've already set myself higher than what I was yesterday. The knack is, is how do you get that challenge? And and again, it doesn't matter whether we're talking law of attraction or whether we're talking science. It's how do we maintain a positive outlook, a positive internal dialogue with ourselves to maintain that level? So when we start the day, we feel good because for me, as tiredness was always one of those things. As soon as I woke up in the morning, I was already expecting the worst. Yeah. So for me, if you know, yeah. if I if I was able to go, I am going to attract happiness, good energy, and just knowing that my body is going to heal itself. That for me is far better than going. Okay, well, if I look at the statistics of eighty-five percent who have had ME. 
and um, how they feel in the morning. I know, you know, 90% of people are going to feel absolutely crap in the morning. That's not doing me any good. That's now, now, but you know, so I think from that point of view, and I get that, and I'm no different in some ways. I like the science and, and knowing evidence, but sometimes from my own experience, the science has been the problem. At least the statistics have been the problem because I don't need to hear that as someone who needs to heal. Yeah. 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 You know, so I think that's yeah. the only thing I would say with that. Yeah. 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 And I, I totally get that. Like it goes back to the idea of the stories we tell ourselves and, and yeah. that if that story starts out negative, yeah, you know, you're kind of, you're priming to reinforce Absolutely. that during the day yeah. rather than challenging it. And initially it might be a challenge to shift it out. Absolutely. So I guess, I guess mo moving like into the work that you do now, when you work with clients mm. and you, you're saying you, you work with, all sorts of people but you kind of you you work with um entrepreneurs and mm. i guess as a kind of a a, a sample group me, me being in business i don't know if i'd class myself as an entrepreneur but that 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 the challenges that we take on because we want to shape a different life or we want to kind of pursue a dream or yeah. whatever the goal is mm -hmm. There are times when we can be self-defeating, when we can be our own worst enemy. Um, and I think anybody can be that. I call about talk about it being self-cabotage, which links into me cabbages and sprouts metaphor. That voice inside tells you who are you to be, what you can't, you'll yeah. never be. And it, and it can come from, you know, conditioning, upbringing, parenting, all mm -hmm. sorts of different factors. Absolutely. How do you start working with somebody um, or encouraging them to see things a little differently or just, just to start to shift that, perspective if they're in that very self-defeating kind of or feeling like they've trapped lost crushed you know that kind of thing okay so the the first rule that i always say is the first rule is is we 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 protect the the greatest asset you have which is you so right. we don't we don't look or certainly when i'm working with someone doesn't matter whether an entrepreneur a, a celebrity or a sports person doesn't matter is we always start with that individual as itself and generally, um, the individual, it will always, certainly from my experience, it will always come from what, how, what are we saying to ourselves? So there is a, you know, certainly with, with what's been going on in the world while, when we're recording this, um, there will be many people going, you know, nothing's going to work because X is happening or, you know, this is going to happen or the world is changing. There is always going to be those scenarios in the world. Might not be a pandemic, granted, but let's hope not. Um, but there is always going to be a situation, whether it is, um, you know, uh, someone's just started in, as a competitor or you've just lost a client or whatever it is. But those situations are out of your control. Now, most of the problems we have is because we're trying to control situations that we can't control. In Stoicism, they call it the dichotomy of control. Um, I learned a, a great um, metaphor. I know um, I got it from Jack Canfield. I think uh, uh, Nigel Risner uses it as well. And it's E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. What we need to work out is, is we cannot change the event. The event is going to happen. So if I wake up in the morning, I, I have a response in that waking up in the morning to either do everything I can to maintain a high level of positivity, which is going to benefit me in the long run. And I don't mean fake positivity as in, yes, today I'm going to make a million quid, unless you can. Um, but what it is, or I can choose to go, today is just another rubbish day. 
it's going to be the same as yesterday and yesterday and the day before. The likelihood of you actually having a good outcome with that is very much determined with how you feel. Now, you know, whether it is, so if we look at it from that point of view, is I do a, a morning ritual. I've done it now since um, May the 7th, 2006. And it is, a, it is a morning routine I do every day. And it's basically, I have what I call a power phrase, which is a phrase that gets me motivated. It's, you know, it, it's personable to me and um, no one else will ever know it. It's just a personal kind of like pick me up that I give myself every day. The rule is that I do it in front of a mirror and I choose a very, um, it's only like a very, very small couple of lines. I've done it so often that I know it off by heart. But when I do it in front of the mirror, I'm looking for a couple of things. The words that I'm using need to be clean. So they need to make sure that I'm not using any negative word, like I don't want to feel like this. It's always stated in the positive. Um, the second one is, is the, the, the tonality that I'm using. So when I'm saying something, I want it to be convincing because if I don't believe it, there's no way that the stuff as soon as I get on with my day is I'm going to believe it. It's not going to be transferable to anyone exterior to me. And then the third thing is my body language. If you're trying to be positive, but you're sitting like this, it's going to be extremely hard. And you're certainly not going to be able to project that confidence, self-esteem, whatever you want to call it to an individual you're speaking to. So it's not going to transfer over. But the rule is, is that I do not leave that mirror until all of those things match up. Right. Now, when I first did it, I could have been standing in that mirror for an hour. Um, and many a time I probably peed off my wife because I was standing there in front of a mirror for an hour. And it was absolutely nothing to do with vanity. It was everything to do that if I... You know, if we want to go softy, softy, if you have enough respect to love yourself, then you can love others to the maximum of your ability. If you can't really love yourself, it's very hard to project that out to others, at least in my view. Mm. Um, you can show people your affection and, you, you know, I love my kids and I love my wife and my friends and everything else, but I'm going to love them even more and respect them even more. Well, love, respect's probably not the right, but I'm going to love them more if I love myself to the best of my ability. Now, that isn't coming from a place of arrogance or, you know, I spend hours looking at my reflection in the mirror. What that is, that's about me going, I'm, you know, this is who I am. And it's it's nothing like superhero stuff. It's, you know, honest humility, whatever it is. But what I found was is, is that if I can do that over and over again, and I don't like the word fake it till you make it, but what I do understand is, is that, you're not going to believe this stuff when you first start saying it. But what you will believe is that you're useless, rubbish, you can't do this, you shouldn't be there, and that everyone's going to be saying that they should be using another supplier or another business or another friend or whatever it is. My mission to me and my goal is that I have to have as much respect for myself as I want to project to my clients, my friends, and my family. So by doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, what I found was is, and I, I call it the fuel gauge of self-esteem. So when I first did it, I was just looking at my feet. I couldn't bring myself to look at myself in the mirror. One, embarrassment. Two, you know, I'm not worthy, that kind of thing. But the more and more I practice it, eventually I'm quite confident now to look at myself 
eye to eye because you're looking at your soul technically um, and say those things. And when I'm doing that, I then feel more confident to be able to have communication with people eye to eye because I'm confident in myself. But it takes work. None of this stuff is easy when you're working on yourself. Mm. But yeah. what I would always say is, is if we start from that point, that is the strongest foundation that you can build on to create other attributes to yourself. Cool, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm picturing myself because uh, picture myself standing in front of the mirror, that's, that would feel really uncomfortable at first. So it's, uh, you're mm. saying it took a bit of time to start to get to that. Yeah, But absolutely. underlying that is, is the idea of trying to, Bring yourself into some sort of state before you start your day or before you get out yeah. there. That, that state where your story is a little bit different or your filters are on that yeah. are different. You don't, you've kind of tried to pull off the negative filters that are already expecting and yeah. therefore looking for anything that reinforces the negative. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think that's, it's an interesting technique to do. I've not obviously not tried it. And I think it's a great one. So you find that works with clients, those that. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I, the way my, my process works is if they're coming to see for that, they, they have to be willing to challenge what they think. The other one is really simple. It's um, there's an NLP technique called a piece of cake. And basically what you do is you, you can like, you can like feel how you feel now. And to the side of you, doesn't matter which side, you th you think about, well, what is that person I would like to be? What does that person look like? How do they stand and everything else? And you almost wear it like some new clothes. And all you literally do to activate it is you step to the side and step into that persona. Now, what you often see is, is people's body language completely shifts because they know what they want to feel. And if you know what you want to feel, there's there's some innate intelligence within you that goes, well, okay, if this is how you want to feel, then maybe we can actually do this a little bit more. We're not going to do it every single day, every single minute, but what if we could do it just for another five, 10 minutes? And then after five, 10 minutes, what if we can do it a little bit longer? And yeah, you do get some funny looks. It's like, you know, I recommend go and meditate. What? Meditate? Dot someone else talking about meditation again but actually mindfulness and that sort of adopting that sort of work on yourself it's where it starts your success starts from within anyway mm. yeah and and it, it's it's kind of challenging the stories that are there by absolutely you know by doing that work within so i mean i guess from my experience with i was always very suspicious of things like affirmations because i was introduced to them you know in every day and every way you're getting better and better and all that kind of stuff um yeah. which just doesn't you know it, it's like it mm -hmm. turns my blood cold to be honest but when you look at the science around it you've got the affirmations can be powerful so long as they are believable and you start at that place and yours where you yeah yes because you've got to own them haven't you it's got to be Not part of yeah 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 and that idea of it because if you're saying something repeatedly that you just don't believe at the core of you you're going to reinforce Absolutely. you're going to have Absolutely. that reaction that reinforces a negative yeah. story yeah you're going to sound like a bigger fool than you were initially when you thought you were starting off yeah yeah and again looking at the the idea of self-love one of the things that's um interesting is if if self-love is a challenging state to get to you know, mm -hmm. like loving yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. even saying it for me, I find that a hard thing to kind of think. Oh, Absolutely, do I love it? Because it yeah. is a it's a challenging concept, isn't it? For, yeah. for rugged men, well, I'm not saying I'm rugged, yeah. either, but do you know what I mean? 
Oh, you'll but not you're not that a... one down. <laughs> yeah, walked into that. Um, no, but the point is, it's it's kind of we're not conditioned to think in those terms. No, no, totally. And I, I, it's to to move away from the hating yourself to to the needle going down the dial rather than maybe going straight to that other yeah. side. And one yeah. tech, one approach that that seems to be coming out in some of the research is actually sort of almost circumventing it by exercising self-compassion as an yeah. alternative initially mm-hmm. as, a, as a way of getting towards that so you know we're, we're pretty most of us I guess are pretty forgiving and understanding of other people and their you know their you know their behaviors differences different opinions mm-hmm. that kind of thing most people are and you know yet we may not be as forgiving of our own yeah perceived yeah. imperfections yeah and we often magnify those perceived imperfections Absolutely. don't we so yeah. that, that idea of self-compassion i think if we're naturally people who tend towards compassion it's a skill that we already have we just don't direct it at ourselves yeah <laughs> and it's an evolution you know you don't uh, you know it's it's an evolvement you know you don't you know who i was who i am now was nowhere what i was after a year starting yeah, this off, I'm, yeah. I'm always developing. And I think is is when you kind of like start your day and go, I mean, let's let's look in, in one weird way. New Year's resolutions are exactly the same sort of thing. You wake up, you go, I want to lose weight. Right, what am I going to, right, I'm going to lose X amount of stone. You don't really believe it. Um, then what happens is you go and sign up for every single class. You start eating grass, and then, you know, and yak's milk and everything else. And then the next thing you do is, well, 95% of people give up within the first four weeks. It has to be a gradual thing. You have to adopt the experimentation or you have to use fun as part of that growth. You also have to find people who are also like-minded because it's far easier to go, to talk to someone and go, I'm thinking about doing this and then going, I've done that. This was a bit of a challenge, but once you get through it, you're fine because you realize you're not the only one doing it. Everyone thinks they're the only person going through the same stuff and you're not, you're probably looking about 97% of the populace that are going through this. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, I mean, by it ties in so well with the idea of the sweating, the sprouts for me is that if you want to make significant change that is sustainable, if it's a significant change, it means you're going to have to break away from the habits of rituals and routines and the unconscious yeah. practices that you do day to day. You know, yeah. Mr. Mr. Automatic that I am when I'm not thinking and I'm just running through yes. my day. Those are all so well ingrained and rooted in the scripts that we have for each activity that Absolutely. tell us this is, this is the easiest way to do it. Just follow this procedure and it's unconscious yeah. to try and change all of them all at once. Yeah. The all or nothing approach it, it's very seductive isn't it you know you see yeah. you know six weeks to a beach body you know into the yeah. what you know all of these things i mean we that's want what it quick oh uh, well and we're conditioned that, that it can yeah. be Absolutely. um but you have to kind of park life and everything else don't you in order yeah. to achieve that and yeah. the majority of us as you said it kind of we, it's artificial and we can't do that because life yeah. you know we've got to live a life we've got to be got to get on with the jobs we've got to face the stresses and the chances of the day mm. so you're right it's that gradual process of picking things that are sustainable mm. in smaller sprout size chunks i yeah. guess is my Absolutely. kind of yeah. metaphor you, you mentioned there about the people around you and i think that's an interesting one as well isn't it because i think it's worth thinking about listeners and ourselves you know it, mm-hmm. who are we surrounded with 
um, out of choice and also out of circumstance and, and because we've yeah. got commitments and relationships. That that's yes. it. And we're not talking about ditching people do you know, no. let, let's be sensible about it. But yeah. who are we surrounded with that maybe reinforce and encourage yeah. us to live in the stories that aren't serving us. Yes. As opposed to who who can help us nudge us out or challenge or provoke. So like I find, you know, one of the things I'm really finding valuable and have done over the last years, getting back to CrossFit, the gym, done it online and now back at the gym. And I hadn't realized just how important the, the people that I see there in yeah. keeping me on that journey. Yeah. So that support, because it, it's a can do, you know, you can do it they're very supportive in helping you adapt. I'm a 50 year old bloke and some of them are like twenties and thirties and can do all sorts, you know, hundred pull-ups and, uh, but we can adapt, but it's all can do. And it's reinforced. It's challenge. It's yep. tweak. How about this? It's positive yep. move forward in a yes. realistic stepped and stage way, as opposed to maybe if I didn't go to the gym and I just wanted to set it out on myself, you know, I'm going to learn to run and, yep. you know, um, oh, I've got a mate say, do you fancy going to the pub? Oh, knock the runner. You know, that kind of reinforcement. Yeah. Oh, I didn't worry yeah. about it, man. Flipping hell, you're too old for that crap. Yeah. Anyway. You know, that kind of, <laughs> it's kind of recognising how, in, with the best will in the world, we have those those communities around us and the people around us. Um, yeah. And we're not saying ditch them all, but recognise that the value of one or two people or a community like, for example, my the people at my gym, et cetera, mm. how can we get more of that to help us get to where we want to be and to shift us away from that those negative things you know how do we make the start and it's often with the people that we're we're engaging with yeah I often I often talk to my clients I often talk about the support structure um you know family and friends aren't always a support structure um right. uh, and the reason I say that is is um families have a tendency to jib you about stuff that they think is funny but it doesn't always it isn't always received as funny you know, it's it's all it, you know. That's what he's always been like, or he's always been a little bit dim, or he's always done whatever, or he's always been a little bit podgy. You know, whatever the story that you may hear from family members, you you rarely will ever hear that from friends. But also, when you look at the friend side of it, sometimes people think they're being the best friend by telling you what you want to hear, mm. not telling you what you need to hear. So. When it comes to looking at your support structure, you're looking for the cheerleaders, which might, you know, it could be the CrossFit gym or it could be a mastermind group or it could be a coach or it could be a, a, some sort of other support group or hobby group or whatever that don't look at, oh, there's Square Dad because he likes to go out and take photographs of birds or whatever. There's a group of people who are passionate about taking photographs of birds and they they nurture you to enjoy your pastime, you know? Um, so I think there's, when you're looking at that, um, I now, um, and all of the, uh, look at it now, I'm quite ruthless at protecting that support structure around me. Right. Um, I take no prisoners when it's like, you're not beneficial for me. So therefore, you know, you're barred kind of like thing. Um, that's been that's been the best support mechanism for me. Now that's not everyone's cup of tea, um, but knowing me like I know myself after all of this work I've been doing on myself, I can very quickly identify the emotional vampires, the poison, whatever. Um, that that I don't mind the banter, the Mickey taking from good friends. You know, certainly you you know me. 
Um, yeah. You know, I don't like. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. I don't mind that. I like a laugh. I love humor. It's such an important part of a healing process. Yeah. But that has to be done in a safe environment where that other person sees it as a joke and sees it as humor. They're not looking at it from, right, that really hurt. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you and I know each other and respect each other enough that if one of us said something, we would bring it to someone's attention. You know, and we would know, okay, I apologize, we cross the line on that. We're, that'll not be brought up again. Well, at least not when you're around. Um, but you know, <laughs> but you know. So I think. Yeah. So I think is is when you're looking at that support structure, it is important to realize that the people that you think um, are easy to become support doesn't mean they're necessarily the right support structure. Yeah. I think you have to take time to develop that support structure, and it become a sacred space for you to go. Mm-hmm. These people are allowed in because I own myself. And again, it might come from self-confidence and self-esteem to be able to have that type of personality. Um, but becoming an inverse paranoid, like I was taught, um, I used to know that when I met certain people, it was just I, the great opportunity was I know that I never want them in my life again. Right. So that was a positive even from a negative. Yeah. That's the way I was able to look at it. But it, again, it's a muscle. It takes time. It needs to develop. Just like when you're at CrossFit and you're trying to build your biceps up, this thing ain't going to happen overnight, you know? So it's, it's all yeah. of that sort of stuff as well. It's interesting. You mentioned emotional vampires. And I remember I did a series of, um, I had fun doing a weekly radish videos around it. it. It's kind of, I often talk about the people who suck the very marrow out of your soul. Oh, yeah. um, and and bless you know I've probably been an emotional vampire many times so you know hands up it, it I can think often we all are depending on our emotional state yeah and I also think sometimes we can have that mischievous or even downright nasty intentions but as you said before I think sometimes we're it's almost like you try to protect don't you you don't want to hurt them to hurt themselves it's a bit like children you yeah. You know, you can wrap them up in cotton wool because you don't want them to experience pain. But we know they've got to fall over. They've got to do these things. And when you're that person, and this is the thing that I found in the early parts of the, the, they're kind of just starting to see, you know, is this it? Is this what it's Mm -hmm. about? Was that it's very easy to retreat into, um, into kind of, the narrative of yeah just see your time i'll get you get your pension you'll be fine yeah. you know all of this kind of stuff and I, there was one striking one and uh i remember out with a shift um do and had just sat down beside somebody who had you know had a massive upheaval in his life mm. um things had changed dramatically etc i remember sitting down beside him we'd had a few and i said how's things i won't mention the name I nearly did um and i remember saying oh dear it's the best. It's the happy. I, I couldn't imagine I was happy. Mm. I, I, I could ever be this happy. And at that moment, that was a jarring thing for me because I wasn't ready to open that door for myself. And I remember yeah. my my response in my head was, oh, I'll never be me, that. That'll never be yeah. me. And again, it's those little moments that I think sometimes we, mm. if we tune into, because we, we can sometimes not see just how the environment and the people around us are almost keeping us kind of numb to the questions yeah. that are surfacing in us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think is, is, um, it goes down to that thing is, is in order to grow, you have to be vulnerable. And in order to understand you're going to grow, you have to be willing to come out of the comfort zone. 
Because I think that's the other big one is, is people think that change will be rapid. That's one of the flaws, but also that they, they get scared as soon as that fear kicks in. Yet by the sheer definition of you changing something that you've done over and over and over again, you're going to enter outside your comfort zone. Now, you know, I don't believe anyone learns from everything always going right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's all you're right. Everything yeah. that we, every, you know, whether it's a business decision, whether it's a product idea, whether it's a person that we want to start, you know, becoming friends with, it is based on our experience of either making the wrong decision or going through some a, a challenge that's sometimes felt like a brick wall. And mm. the reality is, is that there's been proactive, but most people don't change direction of their life, you know, um, until they hit the brick wall. Yeah, yeah. You know? And- that, that, that's an important point there, because you, you, you talked about that moment of the sanity clearing, the insanity yeah. clearing. Yeah. Um, and hopefully a majority of us don't ne- will never get to that point. Yeah. But yet there's still small points in life where we're jarred or when we're kind of... Absolutely. Or something happens, um, and I, I often think this, you know the comfort zone. I often say the comfort zone is not a bad place to be. No. We need to get out of there to grow and to stretch, and and it, it doesn't happen. You know, it's cliche. It but adventures outside. Outside. outside, yeah. And but there's a difference between your comfort zone and the numb zone. Yes. I think because there's a zone where you can be numb or you numb yourself to mm. what what you really want. You know, come, it's yeah. nice to chill and relax and have a beer, have a bit crack, all that. But if you're numbing things or you're in a place which is numb you're din- in denial of those yes. that small but insistent voice that i think that's inside many of us at a, and surfaces at particular times in our life that says come on man there's more to this you're yeah. here once you might yeah. be here more if you know but, but yeah. you know, let's let's have a bit of an adventure come on yeah. you know yeah. the call yeah. to adventure and yeah. but it's so easy to retreat back into the numb zone it is to uh, to avoid because it's scary and it might mean some tough decisions and what can happen is you stay in the numb zone or you explode out of it and end up creating mayhem and yeah. havoc and yeah. have a classic midlife crisis, I guess, even if it's yeah. not midlife. <laughs> yeah. But the numb zone is the path of least resistance. Ah, no, here's the thing, because I, I get that. It, Yeah. But it's also not a, an easy place to be. No, no, no. If no, you, in my experience, because I've done a bit of numb zoning every yeah, time, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and it's not, it's, it's actually, I don't know, it's, a, is it a, it's quite a soul destroying place to be, yeah, yeah. because you, you're, you're numbing, but you're living with that knowing yeah. thing of there is more. Sure, I'll drink, you know, yeah. or fantasize, you know, about like I'll be, I'll do this. Later, no, no, totally. Is that I got, yeah. I got the way I got described it with it is as if you imagine you're walking through a field. And every single day, you just keep walking through that same field. What you find is eventually that that path is worn out. Mm. And when you change direction and start walking up another bit, that bit grows. Still kind of like, you kind of like still see the outline, but actually the other one becomes the more dominant. I think is certainly at least the way I look at it is, is the numb and the, and the safe zone, they're the paths mostly tread. Mm. So even though it's not comfortable, yeah. look, sometimes human beings are perverse in the way that they do things, aren't they? So we, we would prefer to um, flog ourselves and degrade ourselves on a day-to-day basis because we haven't achieved something, 
which in some cases can feel very, very numb, or that feeling of overwhelmed is probably quite a numb space to be in. But actually, to actually force and take action every single day to start creating another path is bloody hard work because our neurology is constantly trying to make these connections. But if you go, um, I'll give you a perfect example. You watch people, my my mom's just got a new dog and you watch a train. Now, any younger person, because she knows what she's doing with a dog and she trains and trains, it's not easy. The dog doesn't always want to do what it's told. But the only way you can train a dog is by persistently doing the same thing over and over again until it understands that that's the way to do it. It's the same with doing morning habits or anything. If all of a sudden you just went, you know, sit to the dog and the dog sat, you I am a master, the job is done. And then the next day it's like, well, you just did it once. That's, I'm not going to take any notice of that. That's not you mastering what you are doing. Yeah, and yeah. to be, to move in the direction you want to, you know, life life is delivered to those people who want to be proactive, to do something that is, you know, to achieve the exceptional results, you've got to go out there and you've got to do something every single day to do it. Because what ends up happening is, is all that does, that comfort zone encompasses that and then life becomes the same again. So our comfort zone and our numb zone is constantly moving, but not in the way that actually sometimes fulfills you and certainly through my experience, the last thing I ever want to do is do I ever want to look at, um, at life and going, I'm regretful of this. Yeah. yeah. And it, the, the, um, I remember reading a, a, a story. It was called the carrot, oh, the carrot, the egg in the coffee bean. And it's about the story of adversity. And that just spoke volumes to me. And as soon as I read it, I went, right, okay, I'm always going to be the coffee. Have you heard that story? I think I have. What's the coffee? Because the egg, so, you boil it, so it gets harder. The egg is hard, but when adversity hits it, it goes soft and... and um, right. Sorry, when the water hits it, it goes hard. So it's a, it's a, it's a breakable shell, but a really hard interior. Right. The carrot is, really, is, is hard, but when adversity, i.e. the boiling water, hits it, it goes limp. The coffee right. bean changes adversity. It becomes oh, and oh. deals with the adversity. So right. it takes over it and it, it says, well, I'm going to just deal with it and make it a nice experience. So it lets its flavour out, right? Yeah. I, can, the, I think I, I've probably heard of that I'll story. I'll have to send it to you. I'll send it yeah. to you because yeah. I've got cool. it framed up here. But it's... Um, but yeah, so it. I guess uh, kind of wrapping up because I'm conscious of your time as well, uh, Jeff, thanks for, for what you're sharing. I guess some of the key things there are that if we're going to push out the the comfort zone we need to make it sustainable so we can repeat 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 yes. and yeah. the way we do that is not by going all in and all or nothing because we no. have other commitments most of us have other commitments and responsibilities yeah um if you haven't fill your boots but most yeah. of us have so we have to incorporate these things into our life but yeah. it's the incorporating of things that we can and will do day in day out yeah. so those small but i would say sprout sized habits but everything yeah. you've talked about in terms of techniques and and things has been around i do this every morning and I yeah, do yeah. this and, and you know, and, and I repeat, yeah. rinse and repeat, yeah. I rinse and repeat. Yeah. So it becomes habitual. I guess those have, those things that you talk about, they're, they're now habitual. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. even think about I, them. I, yeah, well, you mean, think about them, me, but you don't think about having yeah, to do yeah, them. No, I think, I think success is based on rituals and systems. Right. So it's based, you know, if it's, if it's the business side that's causing you, then you introduce processes to help make things easier. 
Yeah. We, and, uh, and which are just habits based on a business format, really. But I think the rituals, bookending your day, how you start your day, how you end your day, how you deal with challenges, that is, for me, the vital stepping stones that help move. But I think as well is, is that bite-sized and, and re- um, recurring, but also trackable. You have to track right. your progress. If you're not documenting mm. how you're doing, one, you you know, like how crap am I feeling today out of 10? If you're not doing the reverse of that and going, you know, today I feel absolutely rubbish, but actually if I look at the last three days, I've done really, really well. So right. I'm actually yeah. not in a bad place. Yeah, You have to have data that's proving yourself that what you, what the story that you are telling yourself at that moment in time is BS and that you have to find the data that's actually proving yeah. what's been good. That's such a good point. We could spend more time on that, but I, we will have to end it. But I, I, like, <laughs> because I think one of the things, and I've done it myself, is that when we start to think, right, I want to shift things, I want to change things, what do I want to do? Well, I would like to just get a bit fitter and feel like I'm a bit more comfortable in my own skin. So that, that's mm. often a, a regular mm. one that many of us would like to do. We've let things go for a few years and we just want to get back a bit of sense of our former youthful yeah. zest. Whatever. <laughs> but like, we, we need to track it. Um, and often what can happen is we can set ourselves, I'm going to do this, but then the actions that we take aren't moving us forward. But yeah. because we have the intention and we're doing an action, unless we can check against that, we're not going to change. We're not going to yeah. shift. Yeah. But that in itself can be another story that keeps us where we are. Absolutely. So you're right. We have to constantly check. And that could be a challenge, can't it? Like, actually, I'm doing this, but yeah. nothing is changing. Or it's not changing. I, yeah, I don't mean instantly, you, but it's not changing no, consistently no. over time. So, but you also have to understand the, the, the root of any consistent and, and persistent change will have plateaus, dips, yeah, you know, valleys, all yeah. sorts of things in order for... You know, in some ways, I think it's just that either your brain going, well, how much do you really want this? Um, you've got to work for this. Um, but, you know, when, because sometimes the plateau is the hardest bit of all. You know, yeah. if you haven't got yourself strong in the head and kind of like, I mean, you know, transparency, I, I'm like that all the time with my weight. It's like you sit there going, yes, I've lost it. Then it's like, why is it for the last four weeks I haven't dropped a single thing and yet this is what I'm doing in order. I've done the same before, but that's just the way your body is going. It doesn't mean it's yeah. not working. Yeah. It just means, you know, because your body is full of many yeah. different functions. So I think that's point. another thing. Yeah. And the work is in the plateau, isn't it? I, I, I'm, Absolutely. I'm, uh, I've read a book, I think it might've been called Mastery, but it talks about that actually the, the most encouraging bit, and this is why diets kind of, you, you stick with it for the first few weeks, for example, yeah. is that there's in, there's good results first off, but then yeah. it levels slows and even plateaus. And actually it's being consistent through the plateau because lots of other things are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. The, the, it's like somebody saying, you know, um, rather than some like, this is a random wacky kind of image, but like you go on a diet, it's like somebody saying, we'll put a bit of fake scenery outside, that'll do them. And then yeah. give up, All right, we can take it down. But like, yeah. if you're sticking it, oh, are we serious? We're, we're going to have to build a yeah. proper house here and proper street and like, because it's going to be like, um, yeah, just put a beach oh, Jim in the Carey. window. <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey, if you look too quick, you'll see behind the scenes. I'm getting, I'm getting totally off the wall now. But the point there is, you, there's a lot going on in the scenes behind, lot yeah. behind the scenes when we're with consistency that's the same for fitness it's the same yeah. for habits and routines riches yeah. and anything and i think you hit the nail on the head about how do we turn them into a system a process a, a, a ritual because yeah. then it gets us off off our conscious mind we've already got Absolutely. a lot on our mind yeah so the, the quicker or the the better we can get these things into the unconscious habitual 
yeah then the better because then it's less friction it's less work yeah. and we can start to build on it can't we yeah and don't fall into the trap thinking that your habit is in 30 days because that's yeah nonsense. yeah yeah you know, you're right I mean, you know it can take up to 260 days because it just yeah. depends on what it is you're doing you know yeah. especially when you said before when you're trying to monitor like one of the things i used to do is monitor my language and how many times was I speaking negative to myself and stuff? You know, that um, that was really, really hard because I've done it unconsciously for so long. Mm. I had to change the way I identified with it in order to start seeing yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right in the habit thing as well. It's about the complexity of the habit as to yeah. how long. And, and also it's very easy to stop to to drift back to an old habit even if you've got one embedded haven't you, you yeah. know so it's it's always being present and on guard to it which yeah. is where the tracking comes in i guess isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, yeah. that's something because i often kind of say don't track the results track the sprouts yes. and again again it's me talking to me sprouts but don't track the results track the habit yes. just focus on are you doing the habit daily and yeah. check in on the results every so often because if you get yeah. results fixated, you'll get into it. It's not happening quick enough. I'm not getting there. Yeah, What's the point absolutely. and all that? Come yeah. back to just make sure you're doing the rituals and the routines and the habits. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's been brilliant. Um, just, I guess, anything from your side as to how people can get in touch with you and learn more about you? Where where can they yeah, find so that? Yeah, so if out? you're interested in connecting with me, best place to go to is the website, which is jeffnicholson.co.uk. Um, you can find me on social media with uh, under Jeff Nicholson. Sorry, Jeff Nicholson UK. That's on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And these will all be in the show notes as well with links. Um, cool. And uh, that's great, Jeff. Thanks you. It's been a great chance to chew the cud about this sort of stuff, and hopefully our listeners have uh, found some value in that and picked, taken away a few pearls there. So thanks very much, mate. Cheers. You're welcome. Look after yourself. I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout One. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other favorite podcast feed, visit SproutSweater.com. And touchdown.